So go ahead, get pretty close up on the mic so that uh, you can like tilt it and stuff. We want to yeah. get it as high, you know, as yeah. most volume as we can. Capture yeah, exactly. as much as That's possible. It. That's right. Get really close to the microphone. This is the radio show. <laughs> Marco and Marty in the morning. Flush. <laughs> All right. Testing, um, testing. One, two, three. Hey to all you Marmaniacs out there. That's the that's the name I just invented for my fandom, and I really hope it sticks. All right, guys, it's August, and on August 23rd at 7 p.m. at Pangea on the Lower East Side, my group, the Wes Anderson Project, is giving our first public performance. I'm super excited about it. If you go to PangeaNYC.com, you can get tickets there. And they wrote this really great description that is even better than the one I came up with. Let me read it to you guys. Jazz bassist Marty Eisenberg, which is me, leads the Wes Anderson Project, a stellar band exploring the notable, eclectic, and quirky repertoire of music in Wes Anderson's films rearranged for jazz instrumentation. The Clinton Hill Music School founder and host of the podcast Between the Gigs captures this mixtape of Anderson vibe, roaming, careening, and questing through the music from the Elvet un- from the Elvet Underground, from the Velvet Underground, Nick Drake, Elliot Smith, the Zombies, E-T-A-L, E-T-A-L, I don't know what that means. Marty Eisenberg's Wes Anderson Project, Friday, August 23rd at 7 p.m. Be there. Hello, people of the world. This is Marty Eisenberg, and you are listening to Between the Gigs. My guest today is Marco Frey. Hey, Marco. Hey, what's up, man? So, Marco is a drummer, uh, Brooklyn-based here in New York. Um, We've been friends for a couple of years. I first met you when you were hosting the jam session at Fifth State. Oh, yeah, man. While that place was still around. Those are memories. Yeah. Um, Marco is the drummer with uh, the Revenge of the Cool Nonette, uh, the Dinganek Street Band. He's going on tour with uh, Kevin Daniels next month in August. Uh, do you want to tell me a little bit more about what that tour is going to be? Yeah, so... Who's Kevin Daniels? Kevin Daniels is a Americana, scruffy beard, Ooh. Americana type, you know? Oh, okay. Um He's a singer-songwriter, and he loves to strum that acoustic guitar. Oh, he loves to strum that acoustic <laughs> guitar. I love to hear that. But we got a bit more of like a louder rock band like behind him, and he just released his second album, which I'm not on. It's more like I'm more of a hired gun for this tour. Cool. Yeah. Cool. That's, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I think I maybe... No, I don't think I mentioned this yet. You were also the drummer for the Merry Variety Show at Club Cummings, uh, you yeah. want to tell us about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, that was, man, I was kind of in a slump um, two summers ago, and I remember thinking, man, I could really use it like a regular gig. And weird, weirdly enough, like a week later, I just get a random Facebook message from the director of this variety show. He was just getting it started. He met up with a f- kind of like a famous like gay club promoter, and they teamed up to put together this variety show. Uh, it was like a, hel- a whole lot of fun, and I did it for a year straight every week. Right, and it, it was, was a pretty like late gig, <laughs> as I recall, right? Yeah, it was a roller coaster. It, <laughs> it had plenty of foibles, Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, 
you know, it paid about 150 per gig. Mm. However, you have to take into account we had these enormous rehearsals because every week we had new repertoire. Oh, wow. <laughs> so what was like an enormous rehearsal? It would be like these like four hour sessions Oof. and they'd, they'd have to schedule all like the, the singers and like acts to come through yeah. our rehearsal space. Was it the day of the gig or? It was usually the day before the gig mm. and it was like in Bushwick you know, every we had to coordinate like up to seven people to like go to one location to rehearse. Yeah, wow. But still, for yeah. a weekly gig, 150 bucks, that's not bad. I mean, yeah, as far as it goes. Anyway, um, <laughs> so we're we're talking today about uh, being a jazz musician in the digital age. Marco's yeah. been doing some pretty deep dives into digital marketing and and that uh, world. Um, before we go too far into that, I I just I want to tell you how much I enjoy your playing, <laughs> and I oh, was thanks, trying man. to think about like <laughs> it's really difficult sometimes to put into words like why you like the way someone plays, and that it's really like it's it's just a feeling like it feels good whenever I play with you or whenever I hear you play, um, but I'm gonna attempt to try to put into words I think <laughs> what I like so much about your playing is that in addition to having a really comfortable like sound and feel like <clears throat> you do a really good job of um, the music always just feels so free when you're in the rhythm section like it, it you're have a fluency to like get out of patterns and like uh, in, mm. in add new uh material um but in a way that always feels um never forced and leaves space for other people to sort of like go with you and and, it, and it, it's like it's like you're saying like i know the game here's i'm gonna like put this little twist on it <laughs> but i'm gonna give you guys time to react to it and uh. make it a part of you know what's going on anyway Man, i like it that's awesome dude it reminds me of like when we sat in the other night at Barcord, yeah. um, which was a jam session I hadn't been to for about two years. Yeah, I used to go there all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a time I think it felt I don't know when it was, but it, a few years ago I felt like every time I went to a jam session in Brooklyn, like you were either in the house band <laughs> or like at the session already. Yeah, I was a I was a session rat for yeah. sure. Um, and Do you like still a, go to a lot of sessions? Man, no. Like yeah. a lot of us, I, I think a lot of us get burnt out on it. Yeah, it's yeah. tough, you know. I, it's interesting because I sort of relate it to some other, um, you know, creative communities. Like, you know, comedians, they have like open mics yeah. and stuff like that. And there's, there's certain like, you know, you get validation by just being out there a lot when people see you a lot they're like oh that guy's everywhere you know yeah and in the jazz community it's it's like that like he's oh, like oh marco he's everywhere but yeah. other than us at the session like there's <laughs> no one else that you know is following it closely um or at least that's the way it feels sometimes yeah um yeah well, all right. So that's a good place to get into like why digital marketing is an important part about um, being a jazz musician in this age, and also just sort of an 
interesting thing that we're all dealing with, especially people in our generation. You know, yeah. not that we're millennials also, but when I graduated from school ten years ago, I or about that graduated from college. Um, you know, it was before a lot of these, uh, you know, Instagram really took over and things like that. I look back and I had a band that I was leading out of college that I was so into. I loved this project and I was putting so much energy into like going out and trying to get gigs and like, um, having weekly rehearsals and things like that. And if I were someone graduating college now, I'm not even sure I would be trying to book a gig. I would be trying to make like a YouTube video, you know, like yeah. that's a cheaper, mm. easier way to reach a much wider audience, you know? Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. So a couple weeks ago, I saw that you had posted this video blog um, yeah. about a project that you had proposed to Ari Honig about right. doing some digital marketing for him. And in the blog, um, you talked about how you had gotten rejected f for this, yeah. or at least your project had not been taken on. Um, and it was a really interesting video where you sort of talked a lot about <laughs> how you were feeling and you know yeah. um, the difference between yourself and Ari both creatively talent wise generationally yeah um i thought it was super cool um and i was i was wondering it seemed like a place to, to launch this broader conversation yeah. but could you sort of tell us a little bit more about what this project was that you brought to ari and then what his reaction to it was or his assistant's reaction to yeah it? well man it, yeah it's a perfect segue because well, I have to I have to do a final project for my digital marketing class, mm -hmm. and basically it's like you come up with a a great marketing proposal for whatever company you decide. I kind of thought outside the box because I'm so interested in like personal brands, and I thought, well, Ari has like a pretty good following, and most of it's just organically because he's already jazz famous. Mm -hmm. um, so. I've been doing this thing where I just like reach out to people on Instagram DMs mm. and that's sometimes like surprisingly effective. Mm. And Who else have you reached out to? Um, I, I reached out to the current company I finally found for my final project. Oh, cool. Yeah. I've reached out to like Didario even like mm. I've reached out just to, I kind of just say, why not? Mm -hmm. Um, because it's just so easy. Yeah. And half the time people ignore you, but you know, it only takes like one out of a hundred. You know? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Right. So anyways, he got back to me and he was interested. He was definitely interested. And he's like, well, I mean, ideas are great, but I, what I really need help with is implementing him. And I'm like, well, this is a, this is free work that I'm giving away. Like I'm basically going to give you a proposal. I can't like put in all the legwork for mm -hmm. you. And then his assistant chimed in because she has access. Mm -hmm. And she was in there in the DMs. And she was like, hmm, this sounds interesting. Like, let's meet up. And we met up. Like, I biked all the way across the park to meet her. And I could already tell that it was, it was kind of like, well, listen, Ari doesn't really need the kinds of tactics you're learning in this digital marketing class. 
and I try to find some ways to like maybe convince her otherwise. But I realized like Ari's just came up during a different time. Yeah. Um, he's got a built-in following because he basically used his gig at Smalls every week for, I think he told me like 20 years. Mm-hmm. In a way, that's content marketing in right. itself. If you have yeah. a regular gig, that is content marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can piggyback off that. Now he does like master classes and right. he has a Patreon account. Oh, he does. I didn't know yeah. that. So a lot of his social and online presence now is to kind of guide people to his Patreon mm-hmm. where people can subscribe to his educational videos. Right. And like, I guess my plan would have been to try to optimize like how he's capturing people and entice them to subscribe. Can you go into detail what that means a little bit? Um, yeah. So like, I think Ari's has a, a nice, like authentic presence on Instagram, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like, there's, there's a lot of things you could do. And for example, like you could create a landing page on your website, Mm -hmm. um, basically giving away maybe a free video Mm -hmm. in exchange for someone's email address. Mm -hmm. And then you keep them in the loop and you get, and you basically provide content through like an email newsletter, getting people excited, giving away some, some great value for free in hopes that like maybe one out of a hundred people reading it subscribe to your Patreon. Right. So you create these pathways to, to whatever like digital product you might be offering. Mm. I think the tricking thing in jazz is that you have to have that digital product. And a lot of us just aren't thinking that way. Yeah. Just quite yet. I I think there's another part of it too. I want to, I have, thought about but um yeah. can what does that digital product mean to you man i've been thinking about that a lot and a lot of us are selling this vague idea of who we are right yeah which is great but it takes a long time yeah like 10 15 years to develop an online presence of like vibe right like you can just sell your vibe (laughs) as a musician you know but it's gonna take a while yeah um but if you need to make money in the meantime you should maybe uh do some online courses or you could have um an ebook that you sell Mm -hmm. you put together yeah uh other people kind of act as these like super connectors mm. for example like w- i feel like what you're doing has the potential you're basically you're bringing a lot of musicians into this studio and you get to like talk and in that sense it also expands your reach right. on the internet and this is almost like a form of content marketing for marty um yeah or it is. possibly your music school you yeah know? Um, yeah and all the uh, various projects i have yeah, for sure. Well, what I was, I think, is unique to the like jazz conundrum. Yeah. When I think of digital product, I think of two things. I think of your creative work, your which typically as a product means recording or maybe yeah. booking your band for gigs and stuff. 
and then the uh, how to be me side of the thing, which is the education, how to play jazz, which yeah. becomes such a huge part of um, what jazz musicians have as a product to sell. And like the best example, current example I can think about, think of that is like Chad Lefkowitz Brown. Yeah. Who's like this killing saxophone player and who's gotten some of those like crazy gigs, like being in Taylor Swift's band and, and things like that. Yeah. But in order to, um, well, maybe not just in order to, but part of his product that he sells is that is how to play like him, and and he's and he knows how to use um, new media and digital technology to make these really not only videos that are very clean from an educational perspective, but also just know how to use the current technology better than anybody else to make videos where like the notes are on the bottom of the screen with certain things highlighted. Yeah. Like, this is how I do this. This is how I do that. And, um, kind of lost my train of thought. Uh, well, he's well, crushing it basically. Yeah. And I, <laughs> yeah. I think that what the byproduct of that in a certain way, I mean, he is crushing it. Like, <laughs> And it's awesome, and, and it helps build his brand and make him a bigger name in the jazz world. Yeah. But I also think there's a little bit of a backlash to that amongst some jazz musicians, which is, yeah. unfortunately, the jazz marketplace is other musicians or other aspiring musicians or other people that are educated in music for the most part, <sighs> is that they, you know, I've, I know plenty of musicians who think less of Chad than they do of somebody else who doesn't have that kind of name recognition because he focuses on social media and not the craft or some bullshit, you know, that's, yeah. that's not what I think. You know, I think that he's I someone that. who deserves everything he gets cause he's such an amazing talent, but I mean, probably, first of all, he's probably laughing all the way to the bank. Right. I'm sure he doesn't care. Um, or maybe he does, you know, everybody wants that <laughs> validation from everybody, else. but he probably gets enough. You should probably it. get him on here and, and ask him yourself. Yeah. But, that's um, a good idea. Actually. It'd be great. Played with him I mean, I'd love times. to ask him about this stuff too. Yeah. Um, cause as much as I have taken a deep dive into this, like my own following isn't that great yeah. yet. And like, I think it's, um, yeah, it's just a huge debate in the, in the jazz world right now in terms of like the old school way of like paying your dues, mm. like developing relationships with the, the old, old cats yeah. and like being out there on the scene all the time, yeah. keeping your expenses super low, mm -hmm. living in deep, deep Bushwick. Yeah. Um, you know, like just being physically present everywhere. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I think me and a lot of people, a lot of my peers feel like that's just not us. Yeah. Like, Why do you think that is? I don't know, man. It's because I, I did my taxes um, <laughs> three yeah. months, uh, four yeah. months ago. And like, I, I, I just, whatever I've been doing up to this point, it just was based on kind of like a hope and a wish and not really on a strategy. Mm. And I, I just, I'm, I just turned 29 and I'm just, I'm thinking of ways. To, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'm thinking of ways to to make this more sustainable. Yeah. And I just got so burnt out on traveling through the subway system every night and like the instability of my schedule, my sleep, um, just a whole lot of things. And like none of that stuff will make you money, mm-hmm. at least not for a while. Yeah. And it's a huge investment. And I just think I either I squandered it or like, I don't know, or maybe just that kind of bohemian like way of navigating the city is just, it has its limits. Yeah. And you know, we're coming up in a time that's very different than the last generation of musicians. Yeah. You know, I think that this New York's idea, expensive. It, New York is super, it, it's, it's not an artist more city expensive. anymore. And, and in addition to that, like, you know, the number of jazz clubs has dried up. The revenue from recording industry has dried up. There's a lot of things that are different. And yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like I took kind of a different path than some of my peers in some ways. Like I did all these things in my twenties to create a sustainable career. Like I started the music school, which yeah. uh, meant a lot of teaching. I've, found my way into a lot of private event work where I'm playing a lot of private clubs, which, you know, makes, earns me money. And I, I got yeah. into musical theater, which also earns me money. Yeah. Um, but that's not, I don't know. Is, is that a brand I can sell? The fact that I'm just playing gigs. I mean, I know how to play my instrument and I can, I think that, <laughs> you know, you can share of, your journey. I can share my journey. And that's part of what I hope to do with this podcast. But yeah. you know, like, Really, I want to be doing the creative work of like creating original content, being involved in other people's original music and stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's tough for everybody these um, days. And always, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the lesson from Ari was like, he just doesn't need to do as much on social other than just be himself right to be effective however i want to make the hypothesis that whatever already did to get where he is now if you tried to do that now in 2019 i don't think it would be as effective yeah and that well do you think you could get a weekly gig at smalls you know <laughs> being 23 or 25 you know maybe i could um it would be like a bit of like you just get lucky or yeah. or how much do you have to hang out at Smalls right. late at night, not getting paid, like losing sleep until you get that weekly gig. Right. And then even that weekly gig, we both know, let's be honest, Smalls gigs don't pay a lot. No, they don't. And that's, you know. I just think there's a huge mentality in jazz where it's like you have to suffer. Right. There's like a veneration of suffering. Well, I think that's <laughs> true of all the arts in a way, you know. Yeah. Got to pay your dues to sing the blues. <laughs> um, but like where that all leads at this point in time is a little bit different. It's like you're paying your dues to pay your dues somewhere else. It's like you work so hard to get that gig at Smalls. You hang out every night. You spend $20 a night <laughs> going there and drinks and yeah. not sleeping and you know, I guess having another job to support yourself and then you get that gig and... And that's also just a form of... Right. 
of paying your dues. And then where do you go after Smalls? Like, like what's left after Smalls? There's like festival gigs and stuff. I mean, I'm sure Brad Meldow's doing fine, but it's like, yeah, exactly. The Brad Meldow's of the world, like bless, bless him. That's amazing. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, but um, the horrible thing about having idols is that we can't always. We can't always learn. I feel like there's a bias with success. Yeah. Successful people often rewrite wh- their own histories. Mm. Because oh, I want to hear more about that. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of it is luck and not, not to, I mean, not to diminish hard work and talent, all that stuff, but it's a lot of it's like being at the right place at the right time, yeah. being discovered. Mm-hmm. But like, um, once you're successful, then sometimes people get distorted in mm-hmm. the stories they tell about themselves. Sure. And they, they focus on the hard work part and like, this is what I did. Mm. And they don't really admit to the luck parts as mm. much. Right. Um, and statistic, if you just want to break it down to statistics, maybe 1% to 2% of all jazz musicians are just making a living, like touring the world and like... Right just performing yeah you know i think that's the dream that's the dream we all hold on a huge pedestal of like i just want to play all the time i want to play creative music that i love for the world to adore yeah like that's amazing and but like (laughs) let's like the economics of it are like it's a two percent one percent i mean and let's i feel like this conversation (laughs) is getting a little yeah sure (laughs) <laughs> but just to put things in Anyways. perspective, I think that, um, you know, I talked about this with my conversation with Eric Reeves and one of his, you know, things that he said was there are, there are two things to search for in a music career. One is fulfillment and the other is, you know, finances. Um, and I, I do think, you know, I sit across from Marco Frey, who is someone I think is an amazing musician and who many people here in the scene think is incredible. You know, like we all want, you know, those, those kind of careers where you get to play in front of big audiences where they're screaming your name or like, you know, listening to your music or someone's music that you're passionate about. But, you know, it is a life worth living to be able to play music for a living and just get to that level of knowledge. Um, that few people have the opportunity to reach because it's just it's an amazing it's an amazing thing yeah i think yeah i mean thanks for that humbling statement for sure yeah um yeah i was gonna say something else but i forget what it was the glory man i I just want a little more glory in my life that's all yeah um i'm a sucker for it other people are more humble um I think a lot of us don't want to admit that we do want to play in front of like an audience that cares. Yeah, of course. Of course we do. I guess I'm just exploring this hypothesis that maybe social media is the way to find the audience that cares about our output. Well, it definitely is a venue for that because, you know, the music community is always kind of like niche in little areas, you know, and when you can connect to lots of little niches all over the world, um, then you cobble together a community that's big enough to, you know, take an interest in what you're doing. Yeah. 
Um, what do you think about... Do you see a difference between using social media to sort of share your life with friends in your community uh, versus using social media to like build your brand as an artist? Is there a difference? Man, that's such a... I have, I have a thousand thoughts on this and I still don't know where I stand. Yeah, I feel the um, same way. Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. I think... I'll try to... I'll try to describe two different approaches. Like one approach is you just showcase all of you on social media. You are willing to be vulnerable and show yourself your other interests and show that you're a, a well-rounded human being on this journey and like music's an important part of your journey. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm doing on Instagram. Right. And it's really different than a lot of people are doing. Mm. Um, on the other hand, you could get like an Instagram business page and you get that tag that says musician, band. Mm -hmm. And if you go that route, people put out only like polished content or like only mu videos of them playing guitar, like every video. Right. And I think that second approach is faster. You'll get more likes, you'll get more followers, simply because you're putting out people know exactly what you're all about right and they'll well, they be know like, about what you're selling it exactly it's like oh this guy plays one drum beat every day for the whole year for years and years yeah there's actually a guy that's gotten really big just doing that wow yeah i could see that but then you got to ask yourself like do you really want to be such a narrow like presence online mm. um i like being autobiographical and like sharing like more and more I want to share like what my real life is like and not the fucking like fake uh, PR stuff that right. that like we're all putting like this PR image of ourselves out there. Yeah. And it'll work. It'll work for like short term gains. But I think there's something special to sharing your journey and like being vulnerable. Yeah. Um, the question is like, should you have two accounts? Like one yeah. is just like your you as like a side sideman bassist, mm -hmm. or me as a sideman drummer, and like s separate church and state, right? So to speak. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have an opinion on that? Um, right now I am heavily exploring just being a human being right. on social, and it's kind of a crazy experiment. I've lost a lot of followers since yeah. I started this vlog. Oh, really? Well, not a lot, but definitely... Um, Some people kind of like, oh... Yeah, they're like... They're just... I think people are confused about wh who I am. Mm. And that's... That's kind of the crux of marketing in general is it's easier to market a very specific product right. than it is a broader vibe. Right. But I think broader vibe wins out in the long term and like specific product wins in the short term. Yeah. Um, I believe in like giving value for 80% of like what you post and then maybe 20% you're selling something that people want. Explain that to me a little bit. Giving so value? Like, yeah. So like whenever I share my story, maybe somebody can relate to that. 
Right. That's value, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and I'm not asking for anything. Right. Or what if I started a blog, be like five things I learned, five things I would do differently after five years in New York city. Right. And like, obviously I'm putting in the work to write that and, but like people can learn from that. That's value. And mm. I'm not asking for anything. Right. But maybe after, after I posted, um, eight of those, maybe two would be like, um, like, an enticement to like um, hire me for a gig or like lead people to my website or whatever digital product I have, mm. which right now I don't have any. Right. <laughs> but well, that, maybe I could cool. write an ebook or uh, yeah. whatever. I mean, it sounds like part of the, you know, having a product to sell in the digital age is, is building you know, the brand of who, who we are online. And then yeah. once people are into that, then having a product can, can come a little later. I mean, you, we can't do everything at once. There's only so much we can do, you know, it's yeah. got to practice every day. We got to fucking <laughs> make money. We've got to, you know, that's the crazy thing. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, that's why sometimes I understand the, like, keep your head down, be an acolyte and just practice. I understand that. Yeah. Um, Lately, I've gotten confused, like, man, I'm spending a lot of time, like, studying Instagram and studying social. Yeah. And, like, studying a lot of t time trying to create content, like, videos and stuff and posts and realizing, like, wow, I'm actually not actually playing all that much music. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's always this sort of push and pull back towards, like, I don't know, the, the basics of being a musician. Like, sometimes... I'm practicing a lot and I, you know, I have gigs and, and I try to make time to practice. And, and at the end of a couple of months, I'm like, wow, I didn't create anything, you know, like I've yeah. been disciplined. I've done my practicing. I'm getting some things together, but you know, what have I made this year? You know, like, yeah. That's and then huge. you, you spend the time like writing or doing whatever. And you're like, fuck, I didn't practice. I haven't practiced all week. You know, <laughs> like it's just, yeah, exactly. It's tough. Um, what do you think about, it seems like a lot of the younger generation jazz musicians are doing some like really weird, funny stuff on the internet with like jazz memes and like YouTube videos and like, like making like, what is jazz videos? And then something like silly and funny like will happen. Ironic. Yeah. Ironic, you know, sarcastic jazz memes and stuff. <laughs> do you have an opinion on that? Um, it reminds me of a student I have who's about, like, 20. Mm. No, actually, he's more like 17, 18. Um, it's like, you know, meme culture. I think it's, they're like digital natives, and mm. they're... Digital natives. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, That's it's cool. a cool marketing term. Yeah. Uh, oh, is that a real term? <laughs> yeah, people who grew up, up. Yeah. basically, like, like, internet was always part of their lives. Yeah. Uh, we're on the cusp as millennials. Right. Yeah. Like we still know a time before like yeah. we had a cell phone. Yeah. Um, it's just, I think in a way that's like, you know how like baby bears will like play fight. Baby bears. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like the meme stuff is just them like being social on, on the internet. Yeah. And, um, I don't think they have like a greater marketing strategy. I think some of them do. Yeah, I guess I'd have to understand I mean, who, who I think you're talking about. 
you know, like I'm embarrassed to say I really I don't know a lot about like YouTube stars and, yeah. and all that stuff. But I, I think that Adam Neely has some videos where he's kind of funny. And, and I know that he's created a big, you know, marketplace for himself as like yeah. a musician and educator and all those things. Yeah. He's I, I watch some of his stuff. Um, he gives a lot of value. I mean, yeah, uh, he he does. He it, he goes on these like thought journeys, right? Mm. That's kind of like his thing, right? Kind of like uh, Vsauce. Vsauce, what's that? He's not a musician, but he's a huge YouTube sensation. Like he goes on these cr- beautiful like ten minute long thought journeys. Maybe it's around a math topic mm. or astronomy mm. or physics. Yeah, he explores sort of like a topic and like thinks about all the possibilities. Yeah. Um, but Adam McNeely, yeah, I haven't checked out a lot of his stuff, but, um, yeah, I guess, what is he talking about there? Like, he's talking about different issues relating to, like, music theory, usually, right? Yeah, stuff like that. I, yeah, It's kind of like, I he's kind of like nerding out, right? Right, yeah. And some of it's funny, right? Yeah. Some of it's funny, but it's not, like, all just silliness. No, definitely not. Yeah. Um... I wonder, like, I'd love to get, I'd love to ask him, what's the correlation between your, you growing a following and you actually playing gigs? Has it led to you doing what you really love? Or have you slowly discovered that what you actually love is just putting out YouTube videos? Right. That's interesting, too. It's like, is it a means to an end? Or do you end up kind of discovering, oh, I actually just kind of love you know, talking in front of a camera and like connecting to people. Yeah. And I could totally see that, you know, there's, uh, you know, I think, you know, did you ever do like acting or like stuff like that as a kid? Like, um, not really. My mom says I was super extrovert as a, as a, like a toddler, as a young kid. You know, I think that a lot of, I mean, musicians tend to be a little bit on the introverted side, but we're also entertainers. Like we love to be the center of attention when we're in control, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. So I, you know, I'm not afraid to play drums in front of a ton of people. No. I think if I had to speak as like a subject matter expert, yeah. Like if we were having this conversation, but I was having to, yeah. If I was having to act like I know everything about social media for jazz musicians, (laughs) like I would be like, uh, I don't want to, I'm not, I don't want to give advice. Like yeah. I'm still, I'm still completely like learning about this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you, so, I mean, this is kind of related. I, it, you know, when I try to take on a creative project at this point, um, I kind of do it with the understanding that, um, it's for personal fulfillment first i mean yeah i I think if you go into anything these days with like okay i'm gonna make a lot of money on this you're gonna set yourself up for some expectations that are um potentially damaging you know unrealistic um but i kind of wrestle with um how much to like lean into that versus you know, what I, versus, I I think when you, when you do things for yourself, you give yourself that armor. Like I'm doing this for myself. Nobody can take away that value. Yeah. But knowing that it's armor kind of lends yourself to the self-criticism like, well, 
then what's the fucking point? You know, if I'm just doing this for myself, is it selfish? Is it, you know, you, you, uh, you're vulnerable to that type of yeah. self-reflection. Um, so when you start a creative project, I don't know. Do you think about those type of things at all? Like totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just checked out a podcast episode from drummers resource. Mm. It's a cool podcast. People should check out, check it out. Uh, <laughs> um, and it was just about the best advice he got from his mentor was, as a dr- as a sideman, and I think as a bassist, you can relate. The mentor said, "You really should take ownership, start your own band, find your own gigs." Mm. And on top of that, he said, "Don't worry about the repertoire. Don't worry about who who you want to hire. Mm. Don't worry about any of that. Book the gig first. Whoa, which is crazy. It's a flip, like a total flip. Yeah. And I just recently." decided like man that's what i have to do yeah i've i've been my girlfriend can attest like (laughs) i've been i've had this like pet project in mind of of like a bossa nova like really sensual lounge band Mm. like that's both could be potentially profitable and like i just love bossa and like sensual music like yeah, that that's cool. sort of 60s era right? you ever check out some of those like gary mcfarland records where he does like lots of bosses and stuff i don't know him oh man gary mcfarland's under underappreciated yeah. like jazz composer he wrote a lot of like big band stuff he had like a pretty short window of his career because he died yeah um kind of young but yeah check those out those are super cool i, I love this idea for you that, that's oh, so thanks cool. man <laughs> it took me a while because i realized like what fits in I did kind of think profit first right because I'm just like you know as much as I say I just want to be creative mm-hmm. I also think I have to admit I'd like to make money yeah you gotta have those like music you know other validations as well I would like a little hit of that dopamine mm. of like yeah, yeah, yeah. oh I just landed a regular gig and it pays well yeah and so I thought I don't like the way like jazz is kind of packaged for mm-hmm. like hotels right we we play this kind of idea of jazz yeah that's in everybody's head yeah and i find myself on those gigs just like playing just really like basic swing for like the whole gig yeah and s- just feeling l- super limited yeah so i thought i don't want to do like trad jazz either yeah because it's not quite i love those cats mm-hmm. th- that's awesome but it's not really my bag yeah it's a very specific thing and so I thought, you know what? I've been in love with Bossanova for like so long. It's just it's time to like try to expose that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm in a similar. Uh, I think I think about projects in a similar way, where you know you want to find something that inspires you. But yeah, sort of the launching point is like I want to get some attention for this project. Yeah. So I've been thinking, or I've been working on writing music um, for like a five piece band like all jazz arrangements of music that come from Wes Anderson films because oh, a, wow. a lot of those songs like I remember hearing them and just being like whoa this is this cool new thing like Nick Drake Velvet Underground I got yeah. introduced to a lot of his music these, this music through his films and totally. I know that you know he, he has a certain appeal in terms of his aesthetic and a lot of those songs have such interesting harmony that they 
do lend themselves to like yeah you know throwing an odd time signature or like <laughs> some reharms you know and it, it sounds good totally. um and one of the cool things about doing this podcast is that um you know just the act of like sort of announcing this idea kind of yeah. does hold you to the fact like well now i gotta fucking do it you oh know? that's how i feel about my vlog man yeah it's weird it's i hate it yeah I'll, I'll be the first time man i hate doing it and if anyone's considering it like if i can do it you can too yeah i'm not very c- good on the camera i'm not that extroverted but and sometimes it feels like i'm on the f- on the truman show right yeah 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 like every aspect of my life is scrutinized yeah but on the other hand yes I think it's like you're putting that energy in the world and then people are going to start asking you about right. it. And then you're going to be like, oh man, I really got to get to work <laughs> on this. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I swear to God, probably a week from now, if someone listens to this podcast, they're going to start asking me like, hey man, like, yeah. so when, when's your boss yeah, project let's do that coming gig. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I hope so. I want to see it. I'm going to ask you about it for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, um... Do you want to tell me a little bit about this project that you're doing uh, for your final project for, for marketing with the company, or is it Hush Yeah, Hush? it's actually music-related, oh, so great. it might be great. Um, so it took me so long to find a company, but I finally got in touch with Welch Tuning Systems, which is a drum company that started in Colorado, and they've crafted a way to make drums that are tunable using only one knob. Wow. A single knob, a single hand, and you can tune the whole drum because it's made like old school marching snare drums Yeah, where you see the strings crossing and stuff. Mm. Uh, and that's all connected to one knob. Anyways, it's patented, and I think the company has the potential to like revolutionize the drum industry. Mm. And it's not that obvious to all musicians, but if you're a drummer, you know that it takes forever to tune a drum. And you have there's up to eight lugs you tune with a key on each side of, of one drum. Mm. So what is that, like 16 times five drums? Yeah. And it takes forever. And you obsess over it, mm-hmm. and you have to coordinate each each um lug to the the other one and you have to use your ears to like tune it uh they're basically solving this whole problem and you imagine like the possibilities like you could be tuning your drums differently if per each song in during a gig yeah wow that is cool yeah um how did you hear about this company so yeah i heard about them through social media Mm. you know like because I follow drummers and stuff, like it was, it's kind of the words kind of getting around mm. organically. People are sharing videos of this technology, and and they went to Nam mm-hmm. uh, in Nashville, and they had some like Instagram influencers, like nice. JD Beck, yeah, play these drums, and just just by filming their reactions, like these videos can really take off and go viral and. It's just amazing. Like, yeah. Through very little um, budget, mar- very little marketing budget, they've gotten a good amount of just organic traction. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you planning S- to do for them? So I'm just in the initial phases of studying 
their online presence, their website? Do they have an email newsletter? Could that be a little, could that be written better, uh, more appealing to people? Uh, I could help them with search engine optimization. Mm -hmm. Like how well do they rank on Google searches mm -hmm. for like, I'm tired of tuning my drums or <laughs> faster way to tune drums yeah. or any sort of Google search that might be related. Yeah. And you can do this cool thing where you could even, if someone's searching the a similar product, like there's a drum tuning tool called drum dial. Mm. If someone searches drum dial, you could do a paid Google search ad that puts you at the top. Right. Yeah. Whenever yeah. someone searches that. Yeah. Um, these are just some ideas off the top of my head. Cool. Uh, but basically, like, it's interesting because their business objective is they need to get their kit into retailers. Right. And so it's a two-pronged approach. First, they have to get massive brand awareness, right? which social media is really great at. Yeah. So putting out video, lots of videos, hopefully one goes viral, you then turn to retailers and say, look, people are asking for this. Like, people are really excited about this. Mm. And the more, like, brand clout you have, the more likely a retailer is to stock those drums. Right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, best of luck with that. That sounds fun. Thanks, man. All right. Well, um, I'd like to thank my guest, Marco Frey. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, this was really fun. Hope you all enjoyed this conversation. Um, we'll be back soon with some more episodes. And thanks again for listening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>